Sometimes the real apocalypse are the friends we fucked along the way. Hi, I'm Nito Kitch, and on tonight's episode of the Gay Anarchist Yoga and Erotic Cooking Association, we look at Velociraptor, one of my favorite films of all time. But because you shouldn't go to into the end of days alone, I'm joined by two friends who know the real reason the dinosaurs decided to GTFO. First up, she's Dino Might, it's Amelia! Hi everyone, my name's Amelia, and boy, do I have some secret knowledge to for you. You heard it here first. But did you know that the real reason that the dinosaurs died was the power of disco? Yes, that's right. In fact, the Bee Gees song, Staying Alive, is about the dinosaurs' struggle to survive through a 24-hour dance-a-thon. First place gets to not go extinct, and wouldn't you know it, it was the roaches who won. If you want to know more about some obscure history facts, I can be found at the Nefarious Navigator on Instagram. So what you're so, saying is the dinosaurs died of a cocaine overdose? <laughs> the Super Mario Brothers movie? Yes. Uh, next up, sometimes they eat things that are meaty, or sometimes they eat things that are frozen. It's Ro. Did you just make a Hi, point everybody. about meteors? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Hi, everybody. My name is Ro, and I know the actual reasons the dinosaurs died. Since the Earth, remember, is only 4,000 years old, <laughs> the dinosaurs obviously ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, realized they were naked, and then died of fucking embarrassment. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to put for the record that I did ban using dead ass as an answer. Uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate Nato the creativity. knows us too well. <laughs> I didn't want two dead asses. Uh, Actually, <laughs> technically, since my answer is they realized they were naked, you could just boil my answer down to dead ass. <laughs> this is true. Do dinosaurs have dead ass, though? Uh, you've seen those pictures of the T-Rexes. I've seen Barney. <laughs> uh, Velociraptor is a movie about two friends, Alex and Diego, during their last day on Earth. Alex doesn't want to die a virgin, so he asks his friend if they consider going into his black hole before they're sucked into another one. The two spend their last time on Earth reminiscing and exploring their lives and time together to determine if both of them are prepared for this step. If that sounds like your thing, go check it out, because we're about to talk about this wonderful little story on the spoiler boat. Toot toot! Um, I just like to say, I, I fucking, I fucking love this film. <laughs> like, <laughs> absolutely, I bought this on eBay, because I thought the, the title of the film was dumb, and I thought it was like a cheapo, like, eating out like level like kind of stupid maybe like laughably bad film and then i got like five minutes into it and i'm like oh my god i think i love this no for real with the title like for velociraptor <laughs> and a description like the end of the world the apocalypse <laughs> two men right you just think oh this is going to be a certain type of movie and then like Surprise, it's actually, like, a really gentle, like, mood piece. 
Yeah, I, I kept confusing the title with Velocipaster to be 1,000% honest. <laughs> so that's the level that I was expecting this to be going into it. And I was very pleasantly surprised that it was not. That was This was a delightful movie. You know what's funny about that is when we were planning this episode a week ago and we were absolutely 100% like, now remember, we're watching Velociraptor, not Velocipaster. <laughs> That's a different movie. And then Amelia messages us about seven minutes into Velocipaster. And she's like, oh, wait a minute. Are we not watching Velocipaster? We're like, no, no, Amelia, we're not. Speaking of like bringing up Velocipaster actually like brings up a good point specifically for me, because like um, when I saw Rocky Horror, like as you know, a tw- a tween, I think is the terminology. Um, also, my blanket is like sprawled on me like a toga right now, just for your mental image. You're welcome. Um, so, uh, but when I saw It'd that, like it, it, today. It, it kind of changed my perspective because I saw it, you know live with a shadow cast, and so you can kind of tell from a lot of my notes on the movies that like 70 percent of my notes are just like observational humor, very cheap call out jokes, you know, callback jokes, kind of what I got used to doing with like films in general is to kind of just like pick them apart and mock them. Uh, and that's kind of like the tone of Lost Pastor and the tone that I was expecting going into this movie. And it's then, kind of the reason why we have a podcast in the first place. Much. <laughs> and I was just like, I was I... so like it engulfed, like uh, just like drowning in the atmosphere and the world of this film almost instantly. And that just never happens to me. I don't mean that in like a pretentious, this film is like, uh, you know, better than everything else in the world kind of thing. But it's just like, that is so rare for me that when it happens, like, I'm just in awe of that film. Yeah, I think, honestly, one of the film, one of Velociraptor's greatest strengths is its tone, right? Because you, like, immediately, right off the bat, just based on like long drawn out shots and like really kind of gentle sound design kind of get this really easygoing kind of like it's easy on the viewer kind of tone, very Mm -hmm. artsy. And then every once in a while you have like, sirens and helicopters and like people running out of buildings with office supplies and (laughs) you realize like oh yeah we're currently in the middle of an apocalypse (laughs) but honestly like i felt like that was so realistic too because i mean we see a lot of apocalypse movies and everyone is like you know balls deep trying to survive like you know and all this struggle but like I think at the beginning of things, like, what else can you do but just kind of, like, go on about your life? Like, if you know it's coming and you know that, like, the world is going to end at any moment, you might as well just live life to the fullest, you know, have sex with who you want and just, like, call it a day and go on living as you would. 
until right. the end is, I think comes in. I think it's a really interesting twist on a genre because not every apocalypse movie needs like a giant tidal wave engulfing the Statue of Liberty or like a shot of aliens blowing up the White House or whatever, (laughs) you know, (laughs) like it's really interesting to have like a really sort of zoomed in personal look at what the end of the world is like. You're right. We should really talk about focus Southland in on Tales. like one person. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Southland Tales, the greatest rock, the rock movie that has ever been made. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the thing, another thing that I really like about this movie when it comes to the apocalypse, it's sort of tell of the apocalypse is a lot of the apocalypse movies really focus in on like sort of the grand spectacle of like survival like you said sort of like how determined uh like humanity can be like how uh it's like the mama bear thing where like you know a mother can lift a car off her child uh kind of idea yeah it's very zoomed out if that makes sense and this one is just very much like these two characters whom I love very much as characters and I might be a little too attached to because I see way too much of myself in both of them um, in different aspects. Uh, They obviously aren't going to be Mad Max, you know, they they aren't going to be Furiosa. They they aren't going to be the rock uh, from Southland Hill specifically. Uh, right as they, fun they, as it is to imagine yourself in a mad max setting you know not everybody is gonna end up being the mad max of the apocalypse some people have some people are just normal people and and all they're doing is seeking closure and sort of like kind of living their lives and i really like that aspect it's it's a very intimate story uh that has given itself a time limit because of the apocalypse. And I really like that idea. And I haven't, I personally have not seen a movie like that. I'm sure there probably is one, but I haven't seen it. And so seeing this, I just fell. I, I literally am just going to gush this entire podcast, <laughs> but like, I just fucking love this movie. <laughs> um, And like, I, I love the characters like Alex as like the gay friend that's kind of like you know i i we've we've been there where like we've gone on dates and we felt like you know uh we felt we felt rejected and we felt like we can't, we couldn't get someone good enough and so we've kind of like settled for someone who gave us like kind of attention um, but that's not really what we want, but we do want the attention. And I, I really like that as a character trait because he's lonely, but he's not sort of like a loner because he has friends. He is social. He talks to people. Um, he's close with his family, but like he's still got that aspect where he's like yearning for more and his drive to kind of like take charge of one thing in his life, uh, his virginity is some is a place where I have actually I have 
absolutely been there. Um, and I really admire that about him. So I have a random. What do y'all think of Alex? I think he's sweet. I think he's really enamored with his straight friend. And I think that's very relatable. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I just, I really liked him as a character. I think he was a very real character. Like, he was very be- believable, very real. Um, yeah. <laughs> he can't catch know. a basketball, you know? I mean, I can't either, I, I, so, you know. <laughs> I, I think we, we all identify with that aspect. Um, I think I, I really appreciate... Um, I guess in Alex and also to an extent in Diego is like their ability to tell really personal stories. Yeah. Cause yeah, I really believe their friendship and that they would be close enough that Diego, who is presumably straight, that they're close enough that he would actually, you know, believably consider this. Like, believably consider doing his friend before they both die. Yeah, and I think part of that comes again to the whole end of the world setting. Like, I imagine if it's the end of the world and everybody's gonna die anyway, and your one goal is to get laid, like, I imagine that would encourage being open and honest with the people around you. I used to do this thing in college where I I would ask not like so flawed because I I didn't really like straight people there, uh, but like at at CSF and also community college like I would kind of joke around with people to be like you know if I was dying of cancer would you do me, um, and the people who said yes I kind of like distanced myself from because that was way too quick of a yes and they didn't know me that well, but the people that said no like. I kind of stuck around with because <laughs> it's just like, well, at least, at least, you know, <laughs> they're not going to just like sleep with someone who has cancer. Um, <laughs> and I asked one of my friends in high school, like if I had cancer and your dick could cure cancer, would you do me? He just, he has not responded to that at all (laughs) and that's how you know we're good friends that's a left on red (laughs) message if i ever heard one right no kidding (laughs) i would be like i'm just gonna pretend i didn't see that and respond next time you message me but not about that (laughs) (laughs) it got lost i'm gonna send some memes so that it's like up in the messages like oh i didn't see it sorry uh yeah time for some meme spam we need to bury this (laughs) is that why you haven't responded to any of my tiktoks (laughs) me? <laughs> well it's weird because all of your tiktoks are just like well if i was dying of cancer would you do me <laughs> speaking of tiktoks uh, diego is kind of the boisterous straight friend who like brags from everything about sex to more sex and even more sex uh but like you do get the sense that he actually does care about his homies um so, do you think Diego is ba- God damn it? Why'd you? Re- do you think Diego is Bay, and why or why not? I mean, 
I have trouble looking at Diego as Bay because I've had straight friends like him who have like absolutely broken my heart. So like every time I see like an enthusiastically supportive straight friend in a movie like this, I'm like, don't go there. Don't go there. He'll break your heart and you won't even feel bad about it. <laughs> well, he kind of does though. Like it when he when he's originally asked because he just like kind of like I'm out and just like kind of like heads off. Yeah. Also I think it's kind of funny like the amount of hoops that like supposedly straight people have to jump through in order to convince themselves that they're ready to sleep with someone of the same gender. <laughs> it's like <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave that there and let somebody else respond be like, "Oh, yeah, that's true, Ro. I totally agree. Funny observation, Ro." <laughs> That that's a funny observation, bro. What do you think, Amelia? I ADHD Amelia. that one. I'll be completely um, honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> Amelia got distracted by her fidget spinner. I was thinking about lemon meringue pie. <laughs> There's oh some... yeah, sorry, sorry to break your delusions of lemon meringue pie, but we were talking about the mental hoops that straight people jump through to convince themselves that they're ready to sleep with queer people. I think, I think that they kind of stated it perfectly, stated this thesis perfectly, like close to the beginning of the movie, when they're talking about sexuality, and Diego was like, uh everything has a name like that's just like it's rudimentary like that's how it is and um what was the alex Alex. yeah alex uh replied with like you know sexuality doesn't work like that it's like not so black and white you know it's like it's the kind of like you don't need labels. It's like the two stupid jo- dogs joke. That old joke. It's like, oh, I ain't that cute, but it's wrong. So, <laughs> hi, I'm NATO. I'm old. Um, two stupid dogs was a show at the like. I do. I Network. do remember loving that show. I I wanted two stupid dogs tattoo. In fact, so <laughs> why wasn't two yeah, stupid dogs two in this st- movie? Answer me. <laughs> Two stupid dogs is exactly the reference that we need to tap into the Zoomer market. (laughs) It's going to make a comeback. It's going to make a comeback. Uh, It's kind of interesting because we get a lot of sort of side stories in this movie. Um, The side stories don't really add a lot when it comes to exposition of the characters it just kind of adds to aspects of their personalities instead of like changing your entire perspective on them it just gives you more of an idea of sort of their identity and their um intent um so like for instance there's a scene where diego is talking about a sexual experience he had but instead of showing the sexual experience, we see him telling it from the car he presumably has it in, 
but it's just him in the car. And it's 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 so great because it lets his personality shine and it really builds on his uh basically his character and his charisma, which is really essential because as the movie goes on, that charisma sort of like almost plateaus in a way because he's out of his element. But when he's bragging about himself, he's absolutely in his element. And to show it like that, where it's all about him and the environment he's in, I, God damn it, I'm just going to say it. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I thought that scene was so well done. So well done when he's like in the car and like he's just telling the story, but like actually, you know, he's in the woods with his friend smoking a joint, but like, it just, I don't know. There was something so good about that scene. I was, like, engrossed. I was engrossed in this whole movie, to be honest. It's, yeah, you, it's really like interesting if you approach that if you approach that scene from, like, uh, like, a normal director's standpoint. What is it they always say, right? Show, not tell. But this is kind of, like, show and tell. Like, you're not getting the, like the first-hand, you know, sexiness of it all. But what you're getting instead is really, like, a look into, like, Diego and what is his mindset, mm-hmm. like, like when he's being in- intimate with somebody. And, like, how is it that he, as a straight person, like, really parses intimacy? Because it was like, what was it that they were saying right beforehand? Because this, the story is definitely a response to something. They were talking about something like how sexuality is so different for straight guys. Because mm, yeah. you can just get involved with a girl and then like chug her to the side. And then get involved with another girl without feelings. And then to go into this really sort of intimate moment with Diego and have him, like, open up about what it meant for him to get really intimate with a girl for the first time and how he felt and, like, what sort of behavior that inspired, like, in the weeks after, I think is really interesting. And it's kind of expanded on when we get, like, I think it's the second sort of, like, side story for Diego, where uh, he's, lear- I don't know if it's ASL, because that's American Sign Language, or if it's something different. I don't know the terminology. <laughs> but when he's learning sign language uh, with the uh, comic book clerk, it kind of shows that, like, his vulnerability, like, his willingness to like change for other people and adapt because he cares for them and he's interested in them, but he's also interested on improving himself. And that kind of goes along with like the idea of the first person he was intimate with and how that sort of like changes his perspective. So tell me about the art shit. (laughs) Yeah. I just mentioned that in this movie. (laughs) There were so many good shots in this movie I think particularly outstanding was that montage uh, when uh, Alex is having all those all all his little like trysts with all like those men. And like it just goes like 
down the line, like one to the other, one to the other, one to the other, and then back to like, you know, the same spot, one to the other, one to the other, one to the other. And like you see all these contrasts and like the color palettes in each of those like shots is so intentional too. Like it's all staged together so beautifully. I don't know. I was a big fan of that scene. Yeah. <laughs> I think also of scenes like the scene right before Alex brings up t- to Diego that he would really like it if Diego would uh, um, put it up his butt. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just this lovely scene of them, you know, it's it's all voiceover. Nobody ever actually says anything. They're just looking into camera and having like a very kind of intimate moment between friends. It really kind of builds this idea of how close they actually are to each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I meant when I said art shit in my notes. It's like finding new and interesting ways to tell the story, right? It doesn't all have to be so straightforward. Like, there's a lot that you can infer from little moments like that. That, like, it's things like that that really hold up, I think, on repeated watchings, right? Mm -hmm. It really helps when a movie has those kind of layers in storytelling. Because then when you go back and watch the movie again, you know, you're finding new things to watch and new things to notice, it's not just a movie that gives everything to you all up front. Do you think that if this movie was done differently, that those sort of artistic decisions would be... Um, I'm just going to throw this out there. Pretentious and unbearable. Mm, I think, honestly... Um, in order for this movie to come across as pretentious and unbearable, it would have to really, like, lean away from the things that make it feel, like, gentle and intimate. Right? Do you think that intimacy kind of adds to... Because I know both of you... We're kind of like, kind of like me almost. Y'all were like engulfed in this movie to the point where Amelia was like I, I, having a hard time like pausing this movie to write notes because <laughs> I'm just so you know, interested in it. What, what do you think about this movie is so captivating and so addictive? For I me? think Ro hit the nail on the head when they said intimacy. I thought I thought this movie was very intimate and it like really like I think because of how intimately it was shot, how intimately like it was written, even the music score I felt was very intimate. Like all of that combined just created for a very like engrossing intimate movie that just kind of made you it immersed you in itself. Like it made you feel like you were actually just there, like looking in through a window or something or out through a window like at these two people having this moment during the apocalypse. Yeah, I think, honestly, 
if you took the, like, if you made the conscious decision to go the exact opposite direction of a typical apocalypse film, you would probably end up with something like Velociraptor pretty naturally. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it just, it feels like almost to the point where when they bring up the fact that an apocalypse is happening, you're really like, oh yeah, it's the end of the world right now. (laughs) Because otherwise it could feel like in any other context, like just a normal story of two really good friends, like secretly pining after each other and one of them being like way too straight. (laughs) Because, like, um, I've watched a lot of, like, you know, indie gay movies over the years against and uh, against my will and voluntarily, uh, just depending on the movie. And we've watched, like, a few of them, like Siberia and Him, for example, um, that have, I want to say, like, similar tones or, Mm -hmm. you know. That sort of because Siberian Hymns is not an apocalypse movie, but it absolutely is a movie about two people pining for each other, and the sort of like uh, the journey that they go through quite literally uh, along the way. Yeah, I think like it's a movie that's very much about tone, right, and mood, mm-hmm. and it's a um, like Siberian Hymn especially did a lot of that. Not through dialogue, but through, like, interesting cinematography. Like, using the scenery to tell a story. And I think the Velociraptor kind of... is a lot more dialogue-heavy, for sure, than Siberian Hymn. But it does, like like, a similar kind of thing. Where it uses a lot of the environment to, like let the story tell itself rather than rely on the characters sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the biggest, the two biggest things that I, that just like sell me for this movie, this movie is all about emotion, whether it's being like shown or just like implied. Um, because like the emotional connection that both of them have really holds this movie together and, and that leads into the chemistry between the actors. I think that if the two actors didn't have the chemistry they had, this would be a very boring movie because we've seen movies that are trying that like, count on one or two people to carry the movie and they just do not eating out of five but uh <laughs> vampire boys <laughs> <laughs> but like there is such a chemistry between these actors that like their relationship is just so believable and it is you know it is it, so realistic that like it is uh, it is an actual shame i think that this movie is just so buried and not as well known because like it's this, this needs to be like one of those like Amazon movies that people like 
uh, happen upon and then fall in love and it just kind of like spreads for a while. Um, because I, I think this is a very nice little movie and it kind of deserves a lot more love than it seems to have gotten. Agreed. Yeah, it's definitely special. I do really like the audio design in this because there's a lot of quiet moments where all you're hearing is just like the background. And there's this one scene where they're both watching porn and it's just kind of like there's not a lot of dialogue between them, but there's a lot of reaction and sort of like uh, a contrast of sort of like reaction to what they're seeing and how it makes them feel. And that's just like so very small as far as like something to portray but it's just like it shows such depth and a lot of that has to do with the audio design the shuffling the sound of the porn and that's just throughout the entire movie it's just like the smallest textual details for a movie this of like this uh small scale is just amazing yeah, and I think that's what makes, like, the sirens and the helicopters and stuff even more jarring when you hear them, right? hmm I think it's really, like, it makes you appreciate those moments even more because you get kind of caught up in this fantasy of, like, the the really intimate moment happening between two friends, and then all of a sudden, like, bam, apocalypse. Right, it makes for really interesting contrast. We should talk. Uh, uh, Chucho y Kintaro uh, is how my mom said how to say it. Uh, uh, the fact that this is just this is just really well directed is perfectly directed uh, in my opinion, and I think even in other movies that have a very small and focused cast, like Portrait of a Lady Currently on Fire, uh, which Rose never watched, but Amelia and I have definitely watched at least once. But like Portrait of a Lady <laughs> Currently on Fire, you know, it, it's it's focused on two people, but there's a lot of uh, sort of secondary characters that get a little bit of, of an arc. Like there's the abortion arc, uh, the servant. There's, uh, you know, the arc of um, sort of the mother of uh, the love interest, the one who's having the picture made of her. And in this movie, it's so focused on the main two that we don't really have secondary characters. We sort of just have a few background characters that appear just for contextualization of the main characters. And then they're kind of like, there it's like life where you just have moments that happen you have interactions that happen and then you move I on i think it's funny you, i think it's funny you say that because in that context don't you think that all the other snapshots of like extra characters and stories that are like outside of their lives with each other are all about like their inability to find closure mm-hmm. i do <laughs> i don't think that's mutually exclusive <laughs> i think it makes the the conclusion of the story for both of them feel more weighted. Yeah. 
Because you have all these storylines about their involvement with other people that don't really have closure. And then you find yourself really rooting for some type of closure at the end of their storyline together, Alex and Diego. And when you don't get it, really, it's kind it it is disappointing, but at the same time, you find like it's it's a realistic ending, but at the same time you find yourself really rooting for them. Like you want it to kind of go Alex's way. <laughs> Like, throw the kid a bone, you know? <laughs> Literally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I wish Amelia was here for that one. Uh, <laughs> I know. It was a great joke. Amelia's <laughs> missing out. <laughs> but I think that even though they didn't get exactly what they wanted, their reactions to sort of the ending, uh, the the... I guess the non-climax um, is it is really refreshing to me personally because even though they didn't get what they want, they tried some time and they found out that they got what they need. Uh-huh. Did just like the Rolling Stones song <laughs> for legal reasons. I don't know what that is. Yeah, when I thought Amelia they were actually back. like going on a point, so I was just letting you finish talking. <laughs> oh, I thought you were. I was just about to say when Amelia gets back, I'm gonna say the throw the kid a bone joke again, but I'm gonna tell it really terribly. <laughs> no, I'm just gonna have Amelia laugh and like edit at it. Yeah, Amelia, <laughs> laugh at this real quick. Are you are you back? I mean, or did come you on, actually... throw I'm the back. kid a bone. Literally. <laughs> no, no, like, I, because <laughs> we're just gonna leave that in the way it is, aren't we? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like so, a lot of movies, a lot of stories that get produced feel the need to give like an unrealistic idea of closure, where everything is tied up like neatly. You know, like romance movies, Amelia, you've seen like a million on Pure Flix uh, and the Hallmark Channel, where it's just like, mm, maybe we weren't the best, but, you know, shake hands and, you know, best of luck finding your next fuck buddy. Stuff like that. <laughs> uh, you know, where like everything is clear and this one. It's it's not clear. But like I said, their reaction to each other and like what happens is really refreshing and it's just really uh i guess it's important to me how do you feel about closure amelia <laughs> yeah amelia tell me about what, closure. <laughs> what a leading question ro i would love to answer that for you <laughs> what closure yeah, means closure, to me um... Closure is good. Closure is good, y'all. We stand. We love closure in this house. (laughs) There's some clothes in this house. There's some clothes in this house. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah, we fucking with some good-ass closure. (laughs) Leaving everything resolved. That's that good-ass closure. (laughs) Well, that's oh what we. All here. the problems have been solved. That's the good ass closure. <laughs> well, that's what we think. But if you've seen this movie or end up watching it later, you can fix. 
No, like I, I have a problem with that, but and it's 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 nice to have a movie that's more ambiguous with it, um, and like like I said, I I was very much engulfed. I was just like, I was drowned by this movie, and it's like drown me, daddy. I don't know, like I I wasn't into weekend, um. I wasn't into quite a few movies that it feels like I should have been into. And it's just like, I didn't really like the director's other movie. I didn't really like Quintero's other movie, uh, to be honest, but I have it. Um, I, I, I I, I take it very seriously because like, it's just extremely impactful. And it's usually a movie that I'm like, oh god, I hope Million will like this, so we don't <laughs> argue about a movie. So we don't have like. to throw hands in the Waffle House parking lot after we record. There's some. Yeah, waffle. if you haven't noticed by now, after seventy something episodes of this podcast, NATO is a broken and cynical bastard. <laughs> and so when I actually like genuinely love a movie. <laughs> Uh, I will gush about it for the entire episode and talk over people and just like basically not give Ro or Amelia a chance to really give their opinions out of fear that they're going to say something that will make me depressed for the entire night. I don't know. I feel like I got to say plenty. (laughs) Amelia was over there thinking about lemon meringue pie the whole time. You know what this is like? You know what this is like, to be honest? Is how I got really invested in Sodas, but I didn't get invested in Heartstoppers. <laughs> because they're very similar <laughs> series, but one I was just like, you know, uh, uh, balls of about deep. You were talking about a TV series. I thought you were talking about Dark Berry Talk to Pepper. <laughs> That's what I thought he was going. Or they were going Jurassic Park Dominion got brought up last night and I was just like the only good thing about this movie is Jurassic World Dominion Dark Berry Dark Pepper my co-workers literally stared at me like they had no idea what I was talking about and it was the worst feeling in the world. You know what? Good for them. More (laughs) Jurassic World Dominion Dark Berry Dr. Pepper for you. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I was very like, I was just watching the notes it's just like, and Rose just like, I kind of like this movie. I'm like, yes! <laughs> one. I scored one. <laughs> Suck it, Waffle House parking lot. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. Like, some things you just can't explain why you like it. Like, the song Shake It Off by yeah. Taylor Swift. I know it's a Where bad song. Or the musical Rent. <laughs> I know Shake It Off is a bad song. I don't know why I like it, but I know all the words to it. And I have the instrumental version on my iPhone for some reason. Yeah, I mean, you could spend your time hating on Taylor Swift for a bunch of semi-legitimate reasons. Or you could be getting down to this sick beat. (laughs) 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 Oh my god. I'm actually too proud of myself for that joke. Somebody say something. Well, and I think on that note, we should sum up our opinions. 
bro, did this movie make you want to have a really, really close straight friend for the apocalypse or make you realize that you don't have the capacity to catch an easily thrown sports ball? Um... <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about how like terrible it would be to hole up during the apocalypse with a supportive straight person. Oh, God. I'm like, thank you for being supportive, but you can give me literally nothing. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Why won't you give my dick a hand? Sorry, I can't oh, my help myself. <laughs> um, dick applier over no, here. This- this movie is great. Everybody should watch it. I'm surprised more people have it. Um, I think, yeah, there's a lot to be said about this movie. And we've said a lot of it. <laughs> Amelia, did this movie make you want to always have an emergency Viagra pill or get ghosted by a literal soon-to-be ghost? The uh, Viagra, I guess. Although if you don't really have to choose one. Four hours do call a doctor, but... His lasted less than a minute. Oh, <laughs> poor guy. Maybe it was an expired pill. Oh, maybe, maybe. <laughs> uh, anything else you want to say? <laughs> Sorry, Amelia's still thinking about lemon meringue. <laughs> no, watch this movie. Watch this movie for sure. It's, it's a great movie. Definitely everyone give it a watch. <laughs> anyway. anyway, that's what we think. But if you've seen this movie of watching it later, we'd love to hear your thoughts and your lemon meringue pie with it. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at GayAkapod, that's G-O-Y-E-C-A-P-O-D. While you're there, why not suggest movies to watch in the future? We're always looking for new suggestions, and we can't wait to experience more movies with you. I'm Daniel Kitch, and if you couldn't tell, I fucking love this movie, so go go see it now, literally. Please. Bye. <laughs>